0: let's do this travis welcome to another episode of before the z-wing podcast guys i am your host Stefan arnold and with me is my co-host travis aka Sabokin. hello travis how are you doing
1: sir I'm doing well. It's a little windy where I live, so you might hear a little bit of the howling outside, so I apologize.
0: I haven't heard it yet over my end, so I'm sure it'll be very light, if anything at all. (laughs) But today. And how are you today? I am fine, thank you. I am ready to go, ready to do this, ready to hear your ideas. On today's episode, folks, episode 15, we are going to talk about not one, but two sequels to solo a star wars story mm-hmm. that a make the story important right travis yeah and well, hopefully <laughs> and also give us more insight to two of our favorite star wars characters yeah so well travis. not main
1: characters as far as the skywalker storyline but sort of some very prominent secondary characters that would probably be good to see some information fleshed
0: out on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And these are characters that everyone knows. So it's not crazy offshoot of some weird character. Like I'm sure you could do as well if you really tried, but we are going to talk about two (laughs) huge characters. The life and times of Salacious Crumb. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump right in. Travis, before we get going into our first sequel here, why don't you give a recap of what... Solo covered when it is and what went on for those of us who haven't uh, watched it in a while or maybe missed it altogether. So you know,
1: Solo is not really a sequel or a prequel to anything. It's a standalone extension of the Star Wars story. So it kind of veers off of the main narrative and kind of gives us a, um, a sort of a slice of what Han Solo was like in the the years before we meet him in A New Hope and the two sort of story ideas I had follow that same vein. They're, I wouldn't say they're sequels to Solo. They're more like uh, follow-ups or additional movies that kind of touch upon some things that are introduced in Solo. Solo covers the life of Han Solo when he was living on Corellia mm-hmm. and sort of how he got off of Corellia and then his brief time uh, as a part, of, a pilot in the Imperial Navy. Whoa, whoa. Then... He
0: was in the Imperial Navy? Yes. I did not know that. No, I'm just kidding. I knew that, <laughs> but that's crazy. Like a lot of people don't know that he was actually with the oh, Imperial Navy. I, 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 so
1: both the diehard fans always knew because this that was a concept that was way back in the 80s. I mean, we, there was books that kind of hinted on that. So that's kind of a, a story thing, a story moment that George Lucas was always adamant about. Like Han Solo was at one point when he was younger, was in the Imperial Navy and then he left. Now the details of what that was, You know, were obviously jettisoned when Disney bought it, but they kept that concept and they turned that into a major piece of this current movie, which now is canon.
0: Right. Yeah. When you say diehard Star Wars fans, and I know you guys are listening as well, (laughs) hit that subscribe button, by the way, but I'm sure well above 80% of Star Wars fans, and that's anyone who likes Star Wars. Did not know that, so I'm sure I I know you're uh, you lead the fringe uh, resistance out there that knows that, and uh, but uh, most people don't know that. So he was part of the navy. Then what happened? Um, so for I don't
1: want to spoil it necessarily, but he ends up leaving the empire. He uh, he goes awol. That, of course, puts him into a very ret- restricted life. He's on the run. He can't really participate in normal society, nor is he compelled to because he has sort of a sense of adventure inside of him. And he becomes a scoundrel working for- as a smuggler for various clients. And then that leads us up to A New Hope, where he's, of course, smuggling um, odd jobs for of the Hutt and other clients as well.
0: Yeah, so he's uh, he uh, ends up being on Tatooine and uh, helping of the Hutt. And then uh, we meet him. In a certain bar, and
1: nice.
0: then he yeah thank you. Then he uh, picks up our heroes, and away we go with the story. Yep. So two follow-ups for Solo, a Star Wars story. They involve some of the characters from that movie, but they're not exclusively focused on Solo. And so not technically sequels, but the first one, Travis, is based on a very very popular character and that Mm -hmm. character is boba fett (laughs) boba fett i hope you heard my did you hear my drum roll
1: i barely heard it i'm sure it'll come across in the microphone
0: though okay yes boba fett travis tell us your story for boba fett a star wars story
1: and i will but there's one more thing we need to cover first (laughs) okay (laughs) i think it's important to just say when i came up with these two additional stories because as it sits right now these these movies probably would not fit at all because of things that have changed. So what prompted me to come up with these two follow-up stories to Solo was that shortly after Solo came out there were some very big reveals at the end of that movie that left a lot of fans and just in general fans and diehard fans scratching their head like wow that was a crazy reveal. And then we hadn't seen um the rise of Skywalker. So we had just left off with the last Jedi which brought a whole lot of questions to it. And then we just ended Solo. And so the inspiration for these two follow-up films were based on the questions that were brought up by those two films, again, The Last Jedi and Solo, Star Wars Story. And two, Disney had announced that they were working on additional movies after Solo. So originally they announced Rogue One, and then Solo, and then there was a Solo-slash-Fett movie that was in the works, and then there was a Kenobi movie that was coming down the pipeline as well. Now, things have changed at Disney, so uh, so far there is no indication there's a Boba Fett movie coming out, although there's a yep. lot of heavy hints that Boba Fett will re-emerge as a character in The Mandalorian. And, of course, we're sitting on the fence on whether or not we're going to have a Kenobi series or a Kenobi movie based on um, how Disney's reworking that project currently. So, again, these movies take place before any of that happens, before The Rise of Skywalker, and they answer a lot of uh, things that were brought up from The Last Jedi and Solo, A Star Wars Story. So we begin with Boba Fett, or as as my movie was called, Fett, A Star Wars Story, just to kind of keep that together.
0: Um, Yeah, so the reason why, and let's be clear why they changed a little bit, is because some things happen in The Mandalorian that uh, change your your, uh, story a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. So.
1: Well, two things. That's the reason why. One, within the story, it changes it. And two, because we have a Mandalorian-type bounty hunter running around, if I was putting money down, I would be hesitant to release a FET movie because it's, again, another Mandalorian-armored bounty hunter. We already have that being taken care of in Disney+, Plus. so why would we oversaturate the market with yet another one, even though it's a character who was established way before the Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian basically fills that niche, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, Travis, what about this? What if boba fett gets his own baby yoda boom okay and so Mine that was our better. episodes ladies and gentlemen stay tuned for episode
1: 16 where we episode just hear travis coming go up off. thank you
0: so much for listening guys <laughs> on <No>. stefan's <laughs>
1: ridiculous
0: weird story theories here we go guys all right <laughs> travis you're going to be off and running fett a yeah. star wars story All right, so Fett is comprised of
1: three acts. Um, And I mean, like, I know most movies are three acts, but these are like three moments within Fett's life. And they're broken down almost like three short stories. And each one of those have its own three acts, but it's all comprised of one movie. So basically... Act one is a young Boba Fett is working to prove himself to the other bounty hunters who have already been established in uh, Clone Wars. For those diehard fans, um, we've seen Bosk and Dengar. And, um, oh, I love Bosk. Yeah, I love so.
0: He's my favorite bounty hunter. He's so awesome. Anyway, Excellent.
1: go ahead. And then the second piece of this one movie would be Boba Fett taking the lead and orchestrating. Um, well, we'll get there. I don't want to blow it. So anyway, let's just start with part one. Part one. Overall, Boba's story arc is really just wrapped around him claiming his legitimacy as a great bounty hunter and eliminating the stigma of being considered just a clone of his father, Django. And so he wants to establish the Fett's name as being the greatest bounty hunters in the galaxy. And sort of he's making up for that because the other bounty hunters just sort of say, well, once they found out that he's the quote unquote son of Django, but really just a clone, they, they start to kind of diminish how much they respect him. Like, well, you're just, you're really just a shadow of your father. And so he's got to prove himself. Now, a really prominent bounty hunter that was introduced in the Clone Wars and is for most part a fan favorite is a character named Cad Bane. So part one has an opening scene and it's taken straight from the story reel of an unfinished Clone Wars episode where Boba hmm. Fett faces off in a, a, a shootout with Cad Bane. And it's a classic old Western gunslinger showdown. And in this moment, you can look at it on YouTube. In this moment doesn't really give you context of why it's happening but in this moment fett and cad bane standing off against each other and then they pull their blasters and they both drop and it shows a close-up of uh, boba fett's helmet it's got that big dent in it and cad bane doesn't look like he's getting up so that's how this starts off so boba fett best cad bane and eliminates that character and if you want the backstory of cad bane you go watch him glow a glow cartoon because this is not about cad bane it's about boba fett and so basically this <laughs> whole this whole first part is The Crimson Dawn is coming up in the world, and Crimson Dawn was introduced in Solo. So that's Darth Maul's shadow. Criminal Syndicate. Criminal Syndicate, thank you very much. And so Crimson Dawn, you don't actually meet Darth Maul in this one, but you do see Kira. And so she's a liaison, and so basically on behalf of Crimson Dawn, she's hiring bounty hunters for some tough jobs. And it's all part of a a bigger scheme to destabilize the other crime syndicates. So that's Darth Maul's whole role, right? And he's using Kira to do this. And so Fett teams up with Kira to accomplish this goal and they have a working relationship. And again, Fett never knows who he's really working for. He just goes through Kira. And at some point the origin of Fett's armor is discussed. So it's Mandalorian armor, but he's not a Mandalorian. He's actually a clone from Kamino, but It's revealed that the shadow leader, he is very intrigued by the armor. And for those Clone Wars and Rebels fans, the reason why is because at one point he was the ruler of Mandalore. So, of course, he's like really intrigued about this guy running around Mandalorian armor. He's like, oh, yeah, I used to rule them. He still has a dark saber. So maybe is this guy really a Mandalorian? Kira, keep an eye on this guy. He might be more important. So that's how that goes. So during these missions, Crimson Dawn hires five elite bounty hunters to find a mysterious force user, possibly a surviving prominent Jedi master. Now, Boba doesn't make the cut, but he suspects he knows who the missing Jedi is, and he wants in on the job for personal reasons. And you don't really find out who the the Jedi is, but of course, who is the one Jedi master that Maul has a heart on for? Mr. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Exactly. So Boba tries to convince the other bounty hunters, hey, let me in because I think I can help you hunt them down. My dad fought against this guy and like, oh really? he goes, yeah, I know his techniques. I I watched them fight and I kind of want to get rid of him too. I want to find this guy, let me in. So they share information. So Boba is unofficially a part of this five member bounty group, right? So Boba Fett tries to convince them, but he fails to be a part of the group. So he strikes out and tries to find the Jedi before anyone else does.
0: I like it. He's on his own, like he should be.
1: Yeah, and he, he and what he's doing is, you start to see his skills at being a bounty hunter are very reminiscent to his father. So in a weird way, we're also getting a bit of that. Well, this is how Jango would have performed because we only got a little bit of Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. We see him using some of the same techniques that when Jango was hunting down Padme Amidala, and, and so we now get to we get a sense that Boba is pretty accomplished. He must have been doing this for quite a while. And those of you watch the Clone Wars cartoon series know that he's been doing this since he was a little boy. So here we go. So lots of level thirteen thirteen intrigue during this part of the film for those fans who who know about thirteen thirteen. Um, but he fails to find the Jedi, and. Because he fails, the other bounty hunters were kind of counting on him to kind of do the work for them because they weren't getting anything accomplished. So they basically just said, hey, dude, we're cutting you loose. We don't want to deal with you anymore because you're just wasting our time. And now the shadow is coming down hard on us. You said you're going to pull through, but, you know, we vouched for you, but it's not going to happen. So towards the end of this part. He should kill them all. Well. Well, what happens is, <laughs> don't spoil it, because <laughs> remember, Bosk is a part of this team, so we don't, we can't kill anybody, but there's Embo's on this team, is on the team, IG-88, uh, IG-88's on this team, there's a female bounty hunter from Clone Wars is on this team, um, not r Singh because R-Sing is already dead. Anyway, or no, wait, she's not dead during this part. Anyway, we'll find out. Probably R-Sing. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm just nerding out. I want to get this out so bad. Okay, so. You are uh, nerding out. That's okay. Go. But the fifth bounty hunter is somebody we haven't met before. And it turns out in a secret scene that the audience gets to see, but the characters don't, this bounty hunter is actually an inquisitor. And he relays the information about how this has all been developing in a communique to Darth Vader. And now Vader meditates on the list of possible Jedi who are unaccounted for after Order 66 and assumes that this is probably Obi-Wan. We don't know if he realizes that it's Maul at the center of all this because he doesn't take this information to the Emperor. So he begins his own secret hunt without the Emperor's blessing. But Vader's efforts in hunting down this this Jedi start to get in the way of the Shadow's own hunt for Obi-Wan. So it's kind of putting them against each other. So now... Word gets back to the shadow like, oh, the one called Vader is now hunting for the same Jedi. You hired these bounty hunters to find out. And he's like, oh, I got to get to him first. But I don't want Vader to know who I am. I got to keep myself secret because I don't want Vader coming after me. So that's all part one. Part two. An older Boba Fett, so that uh. this happens after the solo movie, as far as the timeline is concerned. So Boba discovers the Imperial mole as the Inquisitor um, amongst the other bounty hunters, and he destroys him in a fight, uh, a starfighter fight, and he's in Slave One, and he shoots down the Inquisitor. So it begins with that action piece where a Slave One's shooting this guy down. You don't really know why or who Boba Fett killed. But then the other bounty hunters confront him. Of course, they're missing their fifth member. And he says, that guy was an Inquisitor. He was actually an agent for the Empire. He's the one that's been selling you out this whole time. So then they bring Boba Fett back in. And at some point, Boba Fett gets captured and interrogated by Vader. And Vader's asking about his hunt for Obi-Wan. And Boba only offers information about the Shadow, about Maul. Again, he doesn't know Maul's name. He just calls him the Shadow. And he says, the Shadow is a highly skilled Force user. And so now Vader's attention is turned towards Crimson Dawn. He's like, oh, who's this Force user? Is it mm-hmm. a Jedi who's trying to come up and, and create a rebellion through the crime syndicate? So either way, he's a threat. So in an effort to prove himself, Boba hatches a plan for the Shadow and Vader to collide with one another. And his goal is to sever his ties with Crimson Dawn, sever the bounty hunters guild's ties to Crimson Dawn, so that the bounty hunters are free from being double-crossed and killed by the Shadow, after he's done using them for his own nefarious needs, right? Right. So this whole middle piece is Boba Fett strategically putting the breadcrumbs to get Maul, again, the Shadow, and Vader to collide. And this piece ends with that fight. A fight we've all kind of secretly hoped we could have is Maul versus Vader. Ooh. And the reason why this is support is because in the Rebels cartoon series, when we pick up with Maul's story many years later, he how do I say this without spoiling too much? There's a, there's a scene where Maul is relying on the heroes of that series to help him out. And at one point, one of the heroes asks him, why are you so eager to keep us here? And then he admits to him and says, I cannot face the one they call Vader alone. And the reason why he says that is because he's already tried and he barely escaped. So he needs their help in order to finally defeat Vader because he wants revenge on everybody. He's so fed up in the Rebels cartoon series, he just wants to wipe it all out. So Maul and Vader have this fight, and it takes everything Maul has to escape alive. And when he flies away from the confrontation, his ship is damaged, and it crash lands and maroons him on a planet called Malachor, setting up his involvement in the season two finale of Rebels. So that's where we pick up his story again. He's on Malachor. So now the bounty hunter's opinion of Boba Fett is restored and they have much respect for him because he put this together. He kind of unshackled them from Crimson Dawn. Vader takes the credit for wiping out the Crimson Dawn because, you know, that's Vader.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And so it kind of restores the effectiveness of Vader being a sinister agent for the Empire because he did topple the Crimson Dawn. You know, maybe it wasn't all of his doing as far as finding out the Crimson Dawn and getting getting close enough to them to do what he did, but he still does it and he wipes Crimson Dawn out. And which is one less thing for the empire or the emperor to worry about. So that's the end of part two. Now part three. I'm going to kind of describe this scene to you so you can kind of appreciate where it's coming from.
0: Gotcha.
1: Because each one of these scenes start off in a very slow reveal of what's going on. Part three opens up and the camera is looking at these sand dunes and it's very slowly kind of dollying down. And we see debris burning on all over the desert floor. There's like pieces of some kind of wreckage. It's still in flames. And then we hear this very muffled series of laser blasts and concussion grenades going off. And then the camera gets right down to the ground where the sand is. And the sand vibrates. alive! Come on, man. Enjoy the moment. (laughs) The sand starts vibrating a little bit. And then it starts to sink in a very small hole and starts pouring in. And this crater starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, yes... Fett pulls himself out of the ground. You realize, oh, this is a Sarlacc pit, and the wreckage was Job of the Hut's
0: sail barge. Nice, that is awesome. I mean, if you've seen the Return of the Jedi, he uh, gets eaten by that uh sand octopus, and uh, well, then... he falls
1: into it. We don't know if he gets eaten, but he gets swallowed. Well, yeah,
0: well, obviously, he doesn't get eaten, he uh, t- he takes it out uh, here in Travis's. Fit a Star Wars story uh sequel here, so yes. Okay, so he gets out, boom. He he's he's pulls himself out of the sand, right? Awesome.
1: But he doesn't have his armor because the sarlacc stomach acids had kind of eroded his Mandalorian armor, and he can't use it anymore. So basically, he has a new a new look. He has a new disguise, a new look, and and we can see his face now. It's not always behind the helmet. The whole reason why he got himself on Tatooine back in the time, and this is all revealed through this part of the story, was. He was he was following a very weak lead, a tip, that kind of said the Force user you're looking for might be on Tatooine. And so that's why he came to Tatooine and, and hooked up with Jabba the Hutt and was kind of staying on Tatooine more often than just going with the rest of bounty hunters and, and and you know leapfrogging across the galaxy, finding other bounties. Right. Based on this weak tip, Boba pretends to be looking for a great bounty hunter to assist him in avenging his father's death. So this starts to reveal, like, wait, wait a minute, Boba... Who's Boba looking for? And the die-hard fans now realize, oh, this is not about who we thought it was. This is about something even crazier. He contacts Maz on Taco Donna from Maz that we get introduced to in A Force Awakens. Uh-huh. And she points him in a new direction, not necessarily on Tatooine, but somewhere else. And so the audience should be confused by Boba trying to find, because if he's trying to find Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's been dead for several years now, right? This is after Return of the Jedi. So maybe in the audience mind, it's possible that Fett is actually hunting Luke down, but doesn't realize he's going after Luke Skywalker. Remember, he's looking for a very strong Force user. Mm-hmm. And this is after Return of the Jedi. Well, here's who he's really looking for. Ray. Yes, that's right. Wait, did you just say Ray? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not hunting a kid. He's after Mace Windu. And we find out that Mace has become a fierce bounty hunter of his own. He suffers from severe amnesia from his encounter with Palpatine and and, in Revenge of the Sith. He has cybernetic enhancements because he lost his arm, he's lost an eye, and there's even some fan work out there that shows what he would look like if he had survived that fall, and he has these cybernetic enhancements. so This is totally in line with what the fans have already been asking for. And so Fett finds him, hunts him down, and he has to kind of decide, well, do I want to avenge my dad's death? Or... Hmm, maybe I team up with this guy, this mace guy, because he doesn't remember who he is. And he and I could be really cool bounty hunter guys together, right? And we would get all kinds of work done. So I'm not going to reveal the conclusion about whether or not they go head to head. But there is a moment, and this rhymes with the very beginning of the movie, where the two men are in a, a, a blaster showdown similar to Fett versus Cad Bane. And at one point, I think... If it serves a story, Mace suddenly recognizes Fett as a clone, because he served with the clone troopers, and now Fett would be that age where he looks like a clone. And then Mace Windu remembers killing Jango Fett before the whole Civil War started. And so I'll leave it up to you and the fans. Do you think they should partner up and become the odd couple? Or do you think Mace Windu and Boba Fett should have a final showdown? And if that's the case, who should win? Fett? Or Mace. Now, here's some stuff on the side.
0: (laughs) That's a lot of uh, stuff on the side.
1: Well, no. Apparently, there's a book out there. I haven't read it. I just caught wind of it uh, six months ago. That there's a governor on Tatooine who finds... The Sarlacc spits out Boba Fett's armor as he's digesting Boba Fett. And so this, um, this governor takes the armor and uses it for himself. And so, I guess... I don't know if it's a comic book or a book, but it shows what you think is Boba Fett walking around doing jobs, but then he takes his helmet off at some point and it reveals it's this other guy who just took Boba Fett's armor because Fett's actually already dead. And then in The Mandalorian, we see this moment where Mando's on Tatooine and he takes a bounty um, job with this young guy and... They shoot that that Imperial yep. assassin or whatever she is. Mando goes to get transportation, and then the young guy he's with blasts the girl because she was going to double-cross him anyway, and then he decides to go and double-cross Mando. But at the end of that episode, was it like I think it's like episode four, right? Of the Mandalorian? Episode mm, four or five? Yeah, sounds about right. Oh, it's right. episode think, five. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's five. It's after he meets Cara Dune, and it's that middle episode, and then after that is the prison ship. Yep. So, yeah. So basically, there's this mysterious figure who walks up and and inspects her body on the ground, right? Yep. The sound effects they use for this mysterious figure walking up to her is the same sound effect of Boba's armor when he steps out from hiding on Cloud City when Vader is having dinner with um, Lando Calrissian, Han Solo, and Princess Leia. So there's already a big rumor out there that Boba Fett's still alive and that he's going to make an appearance in The Mandalorian which then would cause my story to also have a lot of heavy lifting to kind of get us to that moment. So my question being, is Fett still alive? And if so, does he still have his armor? Because if that's the case, that contradicts what the book or the comic book said had happened. And we know we're already facing some continuity issues from all of this yes. new story stuff well, going on anyway. Well,
0: unfortunately, so. Boba Fett does not survive. The What is it? Sarlacc? You, you looked it up. Uh, no, no, I didn't look it up. We just, he... Hmm. We never see him again, so, right?
1: Right, unless it was in this movie that I'm coming up with. You would see him after that. You would see him survive, and then he goes on for other adventures. Yes. But anyway, so that's Fett, a Star Wars story.
0: Nice. Yay. Very well done.
1: It's got a lot. It's got some fan service in there. It's got some compelling stories. It's got some twists and turns. It's got Vader again. We get Vader versus Maul. We get Mace versus Fett. We get a, a holdover character from the Clone Wars, Cad Bane, and ara Singh is in there. Um, Embo. Yeah, I think it would be a very entertaining movie to watch. And it kind of picks up where why did we see Darth Maul at the end of Solo? Well, here's why. And this is what his mission is. This is what's become of Darth Maul. So we get some backstory on him. We get to see Kira again. So that makes sense of why we got to meet Kira in Solo. And now her character is actually sort of fleshed out a little bit more here. I mean, Solo's not in this at all. Neither is Chewbacca or Lando Calrissian. So it's it, again, it's not a direct sequel to Solo. It's just sort of a continuation of that backstory thread that was happening in Solo. Uh,
0: yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool to see. I mean, there's so much, as you just said, five seconds ago, so much in there to like expand on <laughs> Boba Fett and and see more of uh, that character because we we barely. Even though he's a, such a popular character and obviously the most well-known bounty hunter, we see very little of him. It's basically just like a few scenes of him kind of following uh, our, our heroes or being directed by uh, Darth Vader or Jabba the Hutt. So it's, it would be awesome to actually see that. And, uh, of course, people are loving the Mandalorian, so why wouldn't they love Well, we
1: see very little of him in the movies. But those who are invested in the comic books and especially those who've watched all the Clone Wars cartoon series, he's actually featured in that quite a bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and whenever I say uh, we see very little of him, I'm always talking about the movies because um, <laughs> the vast majority of people, I know people, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this, probably 90% of the people who are listening to this, mm. because you are well above average and hopefully you've taken our fame scale episode. But I know you guys out there, and, and I love you. I know you know more about Boba Fett's story, but most people, the vast majority of Star Wars fans, have only seen the movies. So yeah. they would be... And there's uh, nothing wrong with that. There's
1: nothing wrong with that.
0: No, absolutely not. Yeah. If you're a fan, you're a fan. And they would be super happy to see more of Boba Fett. And uh, and of course, the, the, the deeper fans, the bigger fans, quote unquote, they would be happy as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Sweet. So I'm going to give you a, a little bit more of a briefer version of the next movie in this trilogy of you know follow-up shows to, to Solo. Yes. Um, mostly because we've already covered a lot of it in our Kenobi episode. Again, this is a, a Kenobi movie or a project that I'm talking about. So you know, feel free to ask me any questions to kind of fill in the 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 story beats, if you will. But basically, Kenobi is on Tatooine. It's in the years after Revenge of the Sith, but before Rebels when we see him there. And instead of him just being always stuck on Tatooine, he actually, he, he's very aware of people hunting Force users out in the galaxy. And there's several moments where people get very close to discovering either him or Luke. And so he can't just hack them down because let's say an Inquisitor comes to Tatooine. Obi-Wan cuts him down. Well, the other Inquisitors are going to know that that Inquisitor disappeared on Tatooine, so it's going to bring heat, right? Yeah. So yep. Obi-Wan has to find a way to lead the Inquisitor away from Tatooine and then get rid of him. And so I, I think that that would be a really intriguing story, and I hope that's the way the Kenobi show is going to go. So basically my movie is all about this you know, middle-aged Obi-Wan Kenobi doing this far more often than he wants to. Because obviously every time he's spending time off of Tatooine, he's worried that another Inquisitor is going to make a Tatooine and he won't be there to protect Luke. So it's very urgent for him to do this. And I kind of thought of it like a sort of a Born Identity type action thriller sort of thing. Like he's always on the move. He's He's got to make sure that people don't discover he's a Force user. He can't break out the lightsaber unless he knows it's absolutely safe to do so without anybody else seeing it. Because, again, he can't give it away that he's a Jedi.
0: What, if, what and, about... Um... What about using your idea of uh, a born movie, but like people know that who he is, and just like we have to find this guy, and then he's always on the run, and well, and so he, yeah, yeah, no, never no goes that's back exactly to Tatooine while he's being tracked. But, well,
1: he can't go back to Tatooine while he's being tracked, but I mean, Vader knows he's alive, and Maul is hunting him down. We just saw that in the Fett movie, so we know that the heat is on we don't know where Maul Maul has been left off and Kenobi doesn't know what's going on with Maul but he knows that he is specifically being hunted because people assume he's still alive and you're absolutely right. He cannot go back to Tatooine until he's got his loose hands tied and he gets back to Tatooine and then another bounty hunter or inquisitor shows up and he's got to lead them away but he can't lead them back to the same place he did the last one. So, you know, it's a very intriguing tension the whole time. He's, you know, he just doesn't really get a chance to relax and he's trying to meditate so he can preserve his identity. So that piece is there as well. But what happens in this this basic story is that he finds out that Maul is alive and that Maul is the one who's hunting him down. And this works because in the timeline that this is set, Maul has not died yet. They haven't had their final confrontation because that happens in Rebels. So Kenobi finds out through him being hunted that Crimson Dawn is one of the major players who keeps sending people out to find him and hunt him down. And so he finally takes the battle to them and he meets Kira. And so he says, listen, I know you guys are trying to hunt me down. Is it really necessary? What can I do to convince you to lead Maul some other way? She goes, well, don't worry about this. Other bounty hunters kind of got him running in circles. And now Vader's after him. So Kenobi's like, oh, well, if Vader's involved in this, I got to get the F out of here. Because that's going to be, or maybe that's the moment that Kenobi finally confronts Vader in some weird way. Maybe we talked about that in the Kenobi episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need Vader to... Uh, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi again, as Travis explains in the uh, "Saving General Kenobi" plot point number two episode. So mm-hmm. we talk a lot more about Kenobi and Vader in that episode. So, well, specifically,
1: yeah. we justify why that has to happen because there's a line in Return of the Jedi that hasn't been fulfilled through the prequels nor in the Clone Wars cartoon series that needs to be spoken about, or at least answered to because otherwise again i have this this very harsh criticism over episodes one through six where vader says a very specific line luke skywalker that is not reinforced by any any moments in the story that we've seen thus far but anyway save that for kenobi go check and listen that and you'll understand exactly what i'm about to say for this next piece go
0: ahead yeah and uh so for kenobi a star wars story maybe all three characters fett vader and kenobi meet yeah, and continue
1: on. I don't know if Fett would meet him. I'd, I would like to keep Fett isolated to his movie just as Solo and Chewbacca are isolated to their movie. But okay. I do think that there will be a moment where Kenobi and Kenobi Vader. Kenobi and Vader, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a lightsaber battle. I mean, it kind of. I mean, I know it's just tradition that it is a lightsaber battle, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be a very cleverly written confrontation where there is no lightsaber involved. I don't want to say it's going to be Starfire dogfighting because Obi Wan would not best. Vader in a starfighter confrontation, but maybe something along those lines. Maybe there's several starfighters and Vader's hunting, trying to hunt down the one that has Kenobi because he can't sense him because Kenobi's using his strength to block. Anyway, lots of fun. And a confrontation <laughs> between the two of them. But in this Kenobi story, because he's partnered up with Kira and she's becoming more of a major character in his movie, and about halfway through the movie, they basically become partners. And the reason why it's in her best interest to partner up with Kenobi and help him deflect Vader, deflect the Crimson Dawn organization and deflect the shadow is because she's pregnant and she wants to protect her child from the influences of Darth Maul from the influences of the crime syndicate. So she's got a very strong motivation to try to get away as well. So she likes that Kenobi is very skillful at covering his tracks. She's trying to pick up on that from him and she wants to use him to get her out. Now, Again, I told you that these this idea for these two movies came out shortly after The Last Jedi and, Sh- yep. and Solo came out. My thought, and this is actually um, a theory that it was sort of running around during that time before The Rise of Skywalker came out, was that Rey's parents, being a mystery at that point, could have been Kira. Because Kira knows how to fight in the similar style that Rey knows how to fight in.
0: Bring it all back to and,
1: you. Yep. Yeah, so this movie would have revealed that Kira is the missing mother that Ray was longing to find. And that explains why Kira left her on Jakku, because maybe she wasn't successful in finally breaking free and people were still hunting her down. So I'm just going to leave my daughter on Jakku. I made arrangements for her to be protected by that guy who's the junk dealer or whatever. And it hurts her. It pains her to have to do this. But that's part of her story. And she knows, she learns through her travels with Kenobi, like sometimes you really do have to let it all go in order to protect the ones you love the most. That's sort of his arc. And she takes that from him and finally makes that final sacrifice of leaving Ray on Jakku so that she could protect Rey and lead whoever's hunting them down on a wild goose chase somewhere else. And the reason why Ray has force abilities the way she does is because I kind of think that maul finds out that she's pregnant and that he is instrumental in trying to imbue ray with force abilities which why mm. she becomes strong with the dark side of the force which explains her tend to turn to the dark side of the force in the last jedi explains her fighting style because she picked it up from her mom because she's just she's a you know she's a girl she's not an infant she's a girl so she would have picked these things up before being dropped off and orphaned right and so this whole story arc, Solo Fett Kenobi, it's got its own isolated stories that tell very compelling, very entertaining pieces, but it fills in a backstory for Rey. Before that backstory is filled in, The Rise of Skywalker, which I think a lot of fans are very dissatisfied with about her being the daughter of a clone of Palpatine.
0: Yes, obviously it can't happen now because of Rise of Skywalker, but that would have been that would have been cool. You know your your Fett movie could still happen you know you and and a lot of things in Obi-Wan could still happen too like probably what 80% of everything you've just said over this podcast could still happen uh in a, one shape or another like very very close to what you've actually said huh. well thank so you. maybe Disney Plus if you're listening check out yeah. that fat movie and, uh, well, if and, John Favreau uh, and Dave Filoni on it, somehow listen
1: to this podcast if John Favreau and Dave Filoni can somehow listen to this podcast, so somebody can train their ear on what we're talking about here, and then they can bubble that up to story group, you know, Pablo Hidalgo, which then can get approval from Kathleen Kennedy. I would be more than willing to sit down and talk to them and give them everything I have because they own that stuff. Anyway, all we need <laughs> is some, some cool storytellers to sit down and say, I've kind of taken the time to thought about all these plot holes. And I think I'm, patching them up for you and still making some entertaining and compelling stories the Don't tell the
0: way. them that they messed up. Tell them like, hey, I got an idea for you. The and fans then...
1: have already told them they messed up. I'm telling them, hey, this is how you get out of the mess up. If you really want to own it, I'm here for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Once again, guys, a lot more uh, in depth about uh, Obi-Wan's journey in our point, point number two, saving General Kenobi and you just heard an awesome action-packed story about Boba Fett where he actually survives his apparent death in Return of the Jedi and that was that was awesome two two more Star Wars movies they could do that uh, yeah that that would be that would be awesome to see that Fett Well think I, about this so way to see that.
1: in an alternate universe those two movies do exist and yeah. the people who get to watch those movies are so happy and satisfied they just made like 20 billion more dollars for disney's acquisition
0: all right all on <laughs> earth Two or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome well travis i think that was it that was a little bit of a longer episode hope you guys enjoyed it anything else travis before we call it a day uh no just thank you for giving me a chance to voice that idea i guess
1: it's considered fans fan fiction right but that was fun that was really cool i'm glad you enjoyed it
0: yeah it was fun and i really enjoyed i mean i know we had talked a lot about kenobi but i had no idea where you're going with uh boba fett and that was really fun and um hey you know what you could do you could all write that down and make a novel out of it buddy i did i uh, wrote most of it down there you go (laughs) there you go all right folks that will do it for this episode of before the z-wing podcast once again if you haven't subscribed please do so mash that subscribe button and you can find us on Twitter at before the ZW. That's the letter B, the number four, the ZW. On Instagram, it's before underscore the underscore Zwing. Spell out before, and we're before the Zwing on Facebook. And why do we do that, Travis? To stay under the radar of the Empire. Yes. So for Travis, I'm Stefan. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been Before the Z-Wing Podcast. Before ZW.
1: Seriously, never underestimate a droid. How many times do we have to say this? (laughs) (laughs) Good night.
0: Good night, guys. boom